Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We'll be discussing human trafficking and sex trafficking through this episode. Please be advised. Someplace underneath. to a WNBA game last night. A Women's National Basketball Association. Woo! It was fun. And they had a mascot that danced. And they had a dance-off with people. Do they have a a cheerleader kind of squad thing? They have these, like, I guess, volunteers. And it's um, teenagers in one group and 40 and up in the other group. Huh. And it was fun. They all did like, well, the teenagers did backflips and the 40 ups. They like did a bunch of like twerking stuff. It was fun. So they have <laughs> they have youth ones and then 40 plus. Yeah. Interesting. I guess maybe it's just because that's the groups that volunteer. Or? I think so. And they just put them like, I don't this know. This is how much I love sports where I'm just like, how was the halftime? I don't I don't like sports at all. Same. I don't I mean I like being athletic, but I don't I'm also going to a baseball game next week. Who am I, Natalie? Oh no, are you becoming a jock? <laughs> Welcome to someplace underneath I'm Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. No hates anybody like sports. I grew up in a sport obsessed town. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I, I like that it, it teaches you how to play with a team and how to fight for what you want. But then, like, people get really into sports. Like, when their team loses, they have a breakdown. They burn down the city. And I'm just like, my man, they trade players all the time and they this don't know who you are. a collection of mostly dudes who are pretending to be from your hometown wearing costumes. Yeah, it's, it's I guess it's but like... But I'm weird because I like amusement park rides. <laughs> Your whole personality is a bunch of dudes you've never met before. Not you, Amber, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's a... I get that. I think that there's good stuff there, too, but I do think that sometimes people get into the sport mindset too much when they do political things, so their mind only goes, I choose the thing that these people say is good, and that's my team, and we decided it. Yeah. You're not, like, actually making any sort of deductive reasoning no i'm there was this uh, lesbian couple at the game in front of me and they were just getting so upset about the basketball game and i was i wanted to be like ladies calm down <laughs> i'm sure they would have loved it if you said that to them <laughs> really they were like thank you ma'am you're right <laughs> yeah well i mean that's great i'm glad you have escapism we have a lot of terrible shit going on i'm sure it's fun to go sit at a sport 
event? It was fun. You cheered and it was, you know, it was com- camaraderie. Like that's all fun, but just like anything else, like if you get too much into it, that's that's bad. Totally. I mean, right now I'm in that with the Court of Thorn and Roses series because I am obsessed with it right now. And oh, it is book. another, it's the book series and I cannot stop reading them. Is this the sexy book? Yes. The Court of Roses. Uh, a Court of Thorns and Roses is the first one and then it's a series after that. I am completely detaching from reality at this point. Yeah. Is it lady porn? Kind of. It's it's like about a bunch of fantasy creatures whose main goal in life is women's pleasure. Oh. But it's also really violent. It's, it's fun. But the women characters are all like the ones who save everybody and it's great. I mean, if more women had orgasms, the world would just open up and just the flowers that would bloom. Yep. I agree. If the women came. Yep. If the women came, it would just change... Change it all. Everything would just be so happy. But that's why we need to have people read these books as they grow up and understand how much it makes everything better. Yeah. Yeah. That's another one of those comfort things. I was talking about mac and cheese this time. Now I'm reading fantasy novels and just regressing completely because we're going back in to Louisiana. That's good. Today. Are you excited, Amber, to go back to your town? I'm excited. You know, there's some great things about Louisiana I miss. Like, Mm -hmm. for sure, the buffets were rock on. The food's phenomenal. And, like, some of the people I met were really nice. And they they do want to invite you in for a slice of pie. Right. But then there's some people that are just, like... Oh, they just take all the money and they sit at the top and they just make all their citizens suffer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that. Don't you worry. I know you were worried that we weren't going to talk about suffering. Oh, I today. thought we were going to have a nice episode, Natalie. Nope. <laughs> Are we going to scream again? Yep. <laughs> so just strap in. We mentioned Serenity at the top of last episode before. Thinking about her still. And those kids who are in those situations and her going into that child's home, of course, is not an ideal situation for kids, but she at least had that place to go where people were trying to work within the limits of these kids' abilities at that time and trying to help them heal. And we're going back to the post-Katrina years now. Serenity, of course, is a modern day missing case from South Dakota, but down in New Orleans post-Katrina, there were lots of kids who were also in need and in struggling and they didn't have it great going ahead without Katrina and then once Katrina happened it I mean they really didn't stand much of a chance a lot of them I'm just trying to think of like any like not orphanage or like a halfway house for kids I don't think they have a lot of those in Louisiana because that seems like a public service and Louisiana is very much like a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of place. Yeah. Well, if you'll recall last episode, we talked about some of the reports that Shared Hope International had made after Katrina saying that there weren't facilities really put into place for kids who had been abused and trafficked and were traumatized, that they didn't really treat them correctly. No, they treated them like criminals. A lot of the times they did. They treated them like criminals a lot of the time and Shared Hope noted there was no proper place for children to go who had been exploited. A child identified as exploited through prostitution, pornography, or stripping is typically placed in a non-secure facilities, group homes, or return to their family home. All places from which they can and often do flee. I mean, they go back home. Where do you think the problem started? Yeah. So believe it or not, 
those places often re-traumatize the child. There was nowhere for these kids to begin any sort of healing process. So in the best of situations, especially in the 2000s, they had group homes that did not know how to handle traumatized children in that uh, sex trafficking nature. And, you know, when they went returned to their family home, even if CPS deemed it fine for them to go back, it's not always the best place for them to go. And they leave. They run away because they're messed up. And I'm saying that as a messed up child that I was saying that in camaraderie, they are fucked up and they need help. In this report, there was also a note that while the internet was already popping off for predators and pedophiles in 2005. Oh, yeah, because they had those Craigslist things. I remember I remember sexy time on Craigslist because mm-hmm. I used to go check it to be like, ooh, what are y'all doing? Oh, sure, for fun. Just yeah. to look at it. I yeah. mean, I wasn't doing it, but just it would just be like, I, I, $50, I'll suck you off. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, it was people first going like, some of it's fine. Like if it's adults just doing stuff to each other. Yeah. What a sure. But by then it was already that was happening and that there were actually task force already set up to deal with the online rings. But Shared Hope noted that there wasn't much of boots on the ground kind of enforcement of known hotspots physically for trafficking in Baton Rouge in New Orleans. So They were saying there's willingness for some police forces to deal with this on the internet and to do sting operations that way, but not really people who had figured out a way to do it on the street, which is where, especially after Katrina, a lot of the kids and also exploited women were. They were on the streets. They were doing it old school, if you will. But, you know, those internet pockets definitely still cropped up, and I'm sure not all of them went noticed. This is a Craigslist ad. This one's actually from Hurricane Harvey, but these existed on forums all over for Katrina, too. But Ugh, yeah. Harvey help. Have a place for a cute girl. Man for woman. Got a really cool studio loft available. I can hook you up if you're cool with staying with me. Please be Hispanic, Asian, or white. HWP. Send pics and info. Please send pic and number and first response, or I will not answer. Yeah, I used to see these all the time in New York early on. It would be like, come stay with me for free, wink, wink. Yeah, and this is one that was specifically after Hurricane Harvey. And these would pop up after natural disasters and stuff because women were displaced and they needed help. And so here's a nice man that says I can stay here. Yeah, so this is most likely going to turn out to be a pimp. And even if not, there's about a 0.001% chance that a girl walking into the situation is going to come out unscathed. He's certainly not doing this out of the goodness of his heart. I remember when I was like, I left my ex and I was basically, I had nowhere to stay. And I kind of exhausted all my friends and I didn't want to ask for help. And I went on Craigslist and there was this guy who was like, hey, you can come stay in my room. I'll sleep on the couch. I just need a little help with rent this month. You'll pay me like a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And I go there and no. there's no lock on the door. Yeah, no. And then I said no. And he, he wanted me to like, he was like, right now, I need a decision right now. And I was like, I had to like back, kind of like backed out slowly. Good. You have to. There's no lock don't on do the that. door. Don't do that. That's not a good, <laughs> not a good sleeping situation in general. You got to have some kind of background, not necessarily like a government background check, but you got to really, if you're going to live with a stranger, you got to like at least have a social media footprint to follow them on or something. But what does HWP mean? HWP. Please be Hispanic, Asian or white. HWP. Help with please. 
height, weight, proportionate. Oh, no fatties. Is that what he's saying? Height, weight, proportionate? That is so weird. That said so much on Craigslist that you don't have to spell it out. You can use initialism. Yeah. Jesus Christ. This is just so weird. I mean, obviously, this is a, a trafficking or very unsafe situation. Can you imagine somebody taking in refugees but being just like, no uggos, please. Nothing's going to happen to you. I just I like a clean aesthetic in my house. Yeah, that's it. So tragically, Katrina seems to have been the experiment to discover what fucked up things can happen to vulnerable people. While you could look at it and say, well, good, at least some people are trying to right the wrongs. It's, you know, like we said, at the expense of the people who went through it, not for their own benefit, but for the next people coming along. I wish I had names and descriptions for people, especially kids who disappeared during this time. But they don't seem to exist. And if they do, some governing body has made it difficult to find. All I can say is that all of us moving forward have to remember to pay attention to the protective measures around vulnerable people after a storm or weather event that, yes, immediate needs like food and shelter and water are vital. But some of us need to also be watching out for all the people who are going to get stolen, that there's something put into place to monitor and protect these people who are going to get literally taken off the streets. I mean, it's crazy. So. I also wanted to make note of something called the Louisiana Human Trafficking Task Force. So this is something that was mentioned in that Shared Hope International report in the aftermath of Katrina. And I think post-Katrina, it sort of got more segmented into smaller branches. But essentially, it's like a bunch of different departments came together to like address human trafficking from all bunch of different vantages is what I'm taking from that. I have yet to find peer reviews of the state of this force, but I it has the potential to sound like it's good. <laughs> it's better than it was. I sure hope it's better than in 2006, but you know, that's sort of what they're saying is progress on this kind of problems for Louisiana specifically. The task force is funded by a Department of Justice grant for Enhanced Collaborative Model Task Force to Combat Human Trafficking. Oh, did a robot make that up? Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, those words together, I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, that sounds like just nonsense. But according to the grant solicitation, the purpose is to assist communities in developing effective and sustainable multidisciplinary task forces that will implement victim-centered and coordinated approaches in identifying victims of sex and labor trafficking, addressing the individualized needs of victims through services, and investigating and prosecuting sex and labor trafficking cases. I like you put on your big boy voice. It just got into government speak there. And I'm just like, yeah, you're just saying a bunch of things that don't mean anything. You're just, you could have said all of that in two words. You could have. I feel like I'm not clinical enough to work for the government. I'm too emotional. So boring. I'm too raw. I don't have the attention span for this kind of no. um, paperwork. And someone does some fucked up shit in the office. I'll be like, that was a fucked up shit, man. Fuck you. And then like now I'm taken out of office for my language. Yeah, you're taken out in a straitjacket going, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. But you are not crazy. No, I'm not. So basically that boils down to we're making a task force. We're not just going to arrest them anymore. The people who are trafficked. We're just going to say maybe we don't arrest them all the time. I'm not sure if it's being effective or not, I, and I'm not criticizing this task force. I'm just trying to remain skeptic 
since a lot of nice words don't always equal jack shit in, you know, real world. You can say all of this. It's purposes to assist communities to develop, but is it actually doing anything? Are you putting your money where your mouth is? Yeah. It's also because the human trafficking task force involves the police. It's always a little bit harder to trust it since there's so little oversight with them. And often they are trafficking within the police force. As we've all learned on this show and just being alive in the world, cops are many times the most dangerous people you can find yourself trapped with because they are not held accountable in many parts of the country. But in a natural disaster, it becomes even worse. The New Orleans Police Department faced extreme scrutiny and criticism after the storm was over. Oh, yeah, they left. Yes. They fleed. Like, that's your whole job. Yes. So, for example... It was documented in one of the many follow-up reports of the chaos that ensued post-Katrina. There was a tourist named Debbie Durso from Michigan. You know, you don't even think about it, but yeah, there's just a bunch of people just visiting New Orleans during this. Absolutely. And and people are coming to help out. A lot of people came and thank you for your service to coming to like, you know, help out like placing sandbags and like getting people blankets. They just volunteered their time. Totally. There was a lot of good. Yeah. I wish that we could just do an episode about how good everybody was. But unfortunately, the shitty people are the ones who need all the attention all the time. Yes. But this woman specifically was there visiting and when this all went down. And so she came up to a cop asking for help because she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't even know. I don't know anybody. Yeah. She's from Michigan. Yeah. And his response was, go to hell. It's every man for himself. Oh, great. According to the Daily Mirror. So I guess to protect and to serve is just out the window, huh? A lot of them it was. We found out pretty quickly who did not want to be a cop anymore. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So... One-third of the New Orleans police officers deserted the city in the days before the storm, many of them escaping in their department-owned patrol cars. Ooh, that's illegal. Yes. This added to the chaos by stretching law enforcement very thin. So, If you took your own car, that's one thing. But to take a police car, mm-hmm. that's stealing. Yeah, no, it's like it's it's a step above just a abandonment it's taking away resources from other people to knowing that like your life is more valuable than whatever amount of people who would be saved by having this police because you could have left that cop car there and it could have been used for something else could have picked people up it could have helped control a situation that was chaotic it could have protected somebody from like being attacked nope nope no you're just gonna go you're gonna go get shot somewhere outside of the storm in your cop car so This, of course, added chaos, and I I doubt all of them were, you know, penalized in any way, but there were cops who were, you know, at least fired from doing this. Yeah, you don't come back. So 
There were about a thousand cops who stayed, and I'm sure a good number of them did their job and helped with compassion. But that is sort of the cross-section that we see with cops as a whole. A huge chunk of them are bad people, and the ones who do good things do so just because they want to, and there aren't any consequences for being a monster. So the cops who are bad behaving, they don't really have any, and they can just keep doing it at their free will. To be a good cop is just like, I'm going to go above and beyond to be a nice person, where it should be the opposite, where if you're going to be a bad cop, that all of these consequences should come raining down on you, but that's not how it works. And so it's hard to, you know, go, oh, there's so many good cops though, because they're not holding the others accountable for anything. Yeah, so how do I know who's good, who's bad? Probably because there's a lot of people running the show, encouraging the abuse, and the whole system is completely fucked. So several New Orleans police officers were arrested weeks after Katrina for suspicion of vehicle theft, like I mentioned. But a lot of the articles coming out around the time of Katrina were sort of fluff pieces going, oh, these poor cops and everything they had to deal with. And, you know, sure, fair enough. I can imagine the strife was it was pretty bad. I'm sure it was difficult. But that's the job that they signed up for. (laughs) What they're supposed to be paid to do. So serve and protect my ass. You're not supposed to get clapped at for doing your job. Yeah. What if I was like, "Mm, I don't feel like recording today, Natalie. But I felt like it. So clap for me. Thank you. I'm going to give you a medal. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I know a lot of cops stayed and risked their lives for people. And I'm glad that they did. But lots didn't. And it's those who didn't, who never faced any consequences. And it gets really tiring with the whataboutisms of looking at the ones who stayed to do their chosen profession. And how dare you disrespect them? Not acknowledging all those pieces of shit who did this and who makes it more dangerous for all of us. Yeah. You know, a third of the police force. That's crazy. Yeah. I guess it just, you know, they're not really here to protect me. They're here to protect wealthy people and businesses. And collect a pension. Yeah. And collect a pension and and boss people around. Some of them. Some of them know that their job is to push people around, be bullies and collect a pension. And that is the long and short of it. (laughs) So this comes back around to... Remember when we were talking about the initial reports on the news saying that there are the mass murderers and the military like warfare going on in the Superdome and all that stuff? Remember, like we were talking about those rumors. Mm-hmm. So their over exaggeration of this devastation seems to be some sort of excuse as to cover for the failures of the city to protect those. Who were supposed to protect it? Right. So this is something that was put out. The Homeland Security, again, did some reports on all the stuff that went wrong post-Katrina, and this is from that. New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin told Oprah Winfrey that hundreds of armed gang members were raping women and committing murder in the Superdome. The occupants, he said, were in an almost animalistic state in that frickin' Superdome for five days watching dead bodies. You don't ever want to hear a mayor say frickin'. Just say fuck. Watching hooligans killing people, raping people. Many news outlets also covered Nagin's claim that the city's death toll would top 10,000. Police Superintendent Eddie Compass went further and told Oprah, We had little babies in there getting raped. Compass was also reporting as saying officers were shot at inside the convention center but couldn't return fire because of the families. He said that officers caught 30 suspects by resting at muzzle flashes. 
Many of these media reports, particularly of rampant violence in the Superdome, appear to be completely unsubstantiated. National Guard officials who were on the scene believe that these reports were highly exaggerated. Oh, so they just made up like that everybody was like horrible to excuse why they had like a lack of help. Yeah. And I can see two sides of this as unless there's somebody who was specifically there and could say this is my testament of what happened. I'm speculating, but it seems to me like the city officials are trying to backpedal and go like, this is why we did a bad job. Yeah, we we ran out. And then I could see the other side because the big guns, the National Guard, the people outside of New Orleans are the ones saying that didn't happen. And I could see there also being the conspiracy of, oh, well, the bigger government's trying to blame us for things. But I think what it really boils down to is that the local officials fucked up really badly and then they were trying to make it seem like it was so bad. And that's why they fucked up. The report goes on to say this. Only two arrests were made by the police. Of the six deaths in the Superdome, none were crime-related. Guard officials said that there were only 50 weapons found among the 25,000 to 30,000 people searched as they entered the Superdome. So this is the bigger police going, you're saying there was gang rapes and violence and murders happening, but there was only 50 weapons out of 30,000 people. And six deaths that weren't even That were not crime-related. <laughs> According to the guard and police, the people in the Superdome were very unhappy and anxious, but they were never out of control. The exaggerated media reports of violence, which some of the evacuees had picked up on their transistor radios, served to further evacuees' anxiety, pushing some closer to the boiling point. So (laughs) I don't know if the cops are like... They were frowning. So it was essentially like being shot at, you know? I mean, it was very anxious times. Like I remember when I I got out of my car and I was running to my friend's apartment. I think I had like, I finally got cell phone service like right when I drove into Baton Rouge. And he was just like, yeah, you can come stay with me. Like, thank God, because I had nowhere else to go. And it was like a three block walk from where I could park my car to where his apartment was. Yeah. And I had my little cat in a box. And I'm just like walking down the street. And this woman goes, there's riots. She like opens up her window a little bit. She says, there's riots down the block. There's riots. Get inside. Get inside and get a weapon. And I was like, oh, shit. And I just start like running. And you can hear stuff. Yeah. And I was just like running, running, running. And like I get to my friend's place and I'm like so scared. I sleep with a knife in my hand. And, you know, there weren't riots. No. And that's what I think happened a lot. They've discussed in the, the aftermath that a media was sort of, you know, fanning the flames of this. But it was partly because the mayor... And the chief of police are saying these things. And it actually was detrimental to the entire situation. So don't worry, kids. Before social media, there was still a bunch of weird, dumb shit being spread around (laughs) all the time. So, yeah. So the bigger gun people are saying, yeah, it was not great, but it wasn't this violent fucking war zone that you're trying to make it out to be. And then one of the local police captains named Jeff Wynn said, however... He made several approaches to the convention center during those first few days and saw muzzle flashes. He also suggested crime went unreported because of the continuing danger in the convention center, the lack of law enforcement resources to investigate the detained suspects, and the dispersal of witnesses when the evacuation of the facility was complete. He also reported he saw a body with a puncture wounds. I just... (laughs) I don't, it just sounds like something a kid says. I saw a body and there was like, there was like a a bug on it that was eating the guy's face. I swear to God. Um, 
it's it's a little ridiculous to me for this guy to sort of be going, nah, there was, I saw gunshots, so whatever. And what is this muzzle flash? What is that? Seeing like what happens when a gun goes off when you see the explosion. So not saying, oh, I didn't see the person firing a gun. I saw like the pow part of it, which I don't know, dude. That could be a lot of shit. I don't know. This just seems like you're trying to backpedal and make excuses. And I mean, it was true that they were stretched then because a bunch of cops left. left. <laughs> yeah. But they're um, just trying to excuse the cops that left as opposed to punishing them. Punish yeah. them as bad as as bad as a prostitute. Punish them as bad as a traffic sex child abuse victim. Yeah. So it seems like they kind of were trying to point fingers. So, yes, he reported he saw a body with puncture wounds. The higher-ups all say they were exaggerated. Again, the Lieutenant General Blum, the chief of National Guard Bureau, testified. They, the media reports, were also prevented truck drivers coming in with the most needed supplies, water, food, ice, shelter, medicine. They were afraid to come in. They had to be escorted by the National Guard convoys, which took other manpower away from the relief efforts to go help the commercial truckers that these civilian organizations had contracted to come in and help the people. They delayed the exact commodities from getting to the people that they were complaining they weren't getting. So basically what he's saying is because these media reports were going out. People didn't want to come in with food. Yes. They're they, scared. they were scared. Just like this woman, she's seeing the shit on the news and then screaming at you out a window. The riots are coming. The riots are yeah. coming, which, of course, there's disarray. Of course, people are upset. Of course, there's fighting. But because most people are not bad, it doesn't turn into just bloodthirsty people ripping each other apart within days of a natural disaster. Most people are just trying to, like, get through it, you know? But they were pushing this sort of narrative, the the mayor and local police, that it's not safe, it's not safe and all this stuff. So then all these supplies weren't showing up. And it's just going to get worse. Which is making it a lot worse. <laughs> so the media reports were reporting what the police and mayor were saying. And it's, you can point the finger and say it's the news, it's the news, but it's like the laziness of using a term like fake news. It's just not always that simple because, yes, we do experience these news reports being recycled and photocopied and photocopied. But a lot of times they are just trying to report from the mouths of the people who are talking. So kind of think this is on the mayor. Also, he just went to jail and came out of jail. And I don't know what he came out of jail for, but it doesn't seem like it went well. Right. Oh, and also the term fake news. I think that happened in 2016, that term. Oh, yeah, it was Trump. It was Trump. So, but at this time, people were like, they thought the news was real. You know, yeah, like, right, right. Everything right. CNN tells me is correct. Right. And yeah, because I remember, if you'll recall, during the Katrina Relief Fund when Kanye said... George Bush doesn't care about black people. Oh, it was yeah. this huge deal at the time. Like people were just like, oh, no, <laughs> not next to Mike Myers. Mike Myers was uncomfortable. American hero, Mike Myers. <laughs> and while I'm very annoyed at Kanye West nowadays, at the time, I think it was fair for yeah. him to be pretty mad about shit. And also it wasn't even like he said a terrible thing. He was just like, George Bush is not doing a good job. And they were like, oh. No. No, you can't say George that. George Bush. Yeah. Our dear president, that was delivered to us from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
He flew over two or three different times over the floods. How dare you? Yeah. So that is sort of like how that played out in the time of the early 2000s. And we, of course, learned a lot. But unfortunately, it was at the expense of a lot of people, especially poor people. And now as we move forward in 2014, you know, 705 people were still reported as missing as a result of Hurricane Katrina. In 2015, there was still a reported 30 bodies that hadn't been identified. And you're hearing 2014 and 2015, that is usually all the statistics that I can find anywhere. Yeah, now there's like, it's totally lost. I, I just, I've not been able to find a single place where any updated count has happened since then we're we're closing in on 10 years on that 2014 stat there it's a lot of land trauma down there like people still talk about katrina i mean of course but they talk about it like it happened last week and it's because it's very traumatizing yeah and to this day bourbon street has their own police force since then from katrina because they used to not have it and like bourbon street has its own because they know people are going to come down there to be tourists and they need the tourist dollars yeah but they can't have people you know getting shot at do you think that it's a good thing there's extra police there or is it more dangerous for women (laughs) i don't know i can't tell you that i honestly haven't been back to new orleans a whole lot and at bourbon street i kind of avoid i would say that to anybody going you don't really need to go to bourbon street no Go see it if you want, but there's so many other cool-ass spots there. Yeah, go to the antique stores. Oh, my God. I love the antique alley. Oh, I love it. Yes, yes, yes. Go see, like, go to, if you want to have that vibe, go to Frenchman Street. Yeah. That's I mean, just like that vibe, but it's a little bit cleaner. There's the, I forget what street that's on, but there's the oldest bar in the country is in New Orleans. Yes, that's on Bourbon, but it's, like, farther down. Yeah. It's, like, off the strip. So that's, like... That's technically the Bourbon Street area, but yeah, like you just said, it's way out of the clusterfuck. And yeah. that little section is cool as hell. That was really fun to go to that it's bar. very cool. Also, there's some of those gay bars. They have Oz. That's a fun one. So when I go visit, I'll go sit at those gay bars, yeah. and I have a great time. Uh, we went. We just found our way into some random jazz bars, which is always so much live music everywhere playing. Oh, yeah. And man, I love it. Pirates Alley, some absinthe. Get some absinthe. Oh, man, yeah. We found a couple of like, quote unquote, speakeasies where mm-hmm. you had to do a password and it was like vampire themed and stuff. It was really cool. I love all that shit. Yeah. Go to the market, you mm. know, go get some beignets. Oh, my God. The beignets. Yeah. Let's go to New Orleans right now. <laughs> Let's go. But yeah. So I guess now there's. Extra cops, another reason to just not go to Bourbon Street because it's just throwing up. It's just throwing throwing up up in really cheap, like, souvenir stands. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of people demanding access to your body. You don't really get that as much in other places. I I, For sure. I've never been there for, like, a big holiday or anything, but... The times I went, there wasn't weird frat dudes because I just didn't go to the streets where they were they hang out. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like nobody should be like be acting that way. But no. I would avoid just for your own joy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just it's not fair. But also, if you want to smile on your vacation, just don't go over there because there's so many other good spots, in my opinion. So I really wish I wish that we had more information on the people who are still missing. I wish more than anything we did. But there's nothing out there. So if anybody does out listening know of a resource that better details any of these people's identities, if you feel like hitting us up at someplace underneath that gmail.com, just I would love to be able to look a little bit into those people who are still without being found from that. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So we've been talking a lot about Katrina, but this series we wanted to look at a wider scope of Louisiana in its entirety, because as we mentioned at the top of the first of these episodes, we really started out with wanting to cover Crystal Journey, and we will, but we started seeing all these other things going on in Louisiana and all these things that actually put women and people with vaginas and femme people in a lot of danger all the time. And like you said, Amber, this is not to besmirch, you know, the people of Louisiana as a whole. I I know that there's lots of beautiful, wonderful people there. And I love that Southern landscape more than like anything. It's gorgeous, but there's a lot of corruption. I mean, also where isn't there corruption, but Yes, it's just it's it's rampant. Yeah, and there's a lot of people like I I, I mentioned the the gay people with Hurricane Katrina. I re- I remember um, hearing churchgoers say they're getting hit because there's all these like gay bars in town, and that's a big sentiment. And that's also why I don't trust a lot of these polls. You know, and they're like thirty percent of Americans up, like like abortion or whatever. Right. I'm like there are these people that believe because gay people exist, God whittled his finger and they made a hurricane come so down. Crazy. And they don't go talk to the pollsters. They don't so go, but they go crazy. vote. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's just sad because we don't know how to give any kind of real education to people. It's just, a lot of those people just don't know anything. They don't know anything. And like women in my church, we were literally, we could not speak. So thank God I had, my mother was like radical in her in her like community within that world, she was a feminist. Absolutely. I'm so blessed to have that, that she was very educated and wanted me to read and wanted me to stand up for myself. But if I didn't have her, what I'm just going to be surrounded by silent women? I guess so. That's all, that's all you have. Now and you're it, only around very loud women. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could use one or two silent women in our friends In group, this group, but, right. Yeah, um, it's it's not a coincidence that I left that group and did um, stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's with Louisiana, it's largely and respectfully the politics of it make it pretty difficult for marginalized people there. So, you know, Katrina's in reference to the natural topography and the landscape of Louisiana being a bit of a higher risk. And a lot of the policies down there make it pretty hard and scary. So, yeah, there's not a lot of community stuff. I mean, any community stuff you have to do yourself. Yeah. But I I, I just don't remember like our church. Uh, the only thing is I, I did was church stuff. Right. And those are the times I think probably that there's some positive stuff to come from church. Right. Even though I'm very critical of it, that the small community churches band together and help each other out and it's not the mega churches the corporate ones that are like stealing no. all the money it's the smaller ones it's just people like helping each other out which is nice but then if you get ostracized from church like say you speak you know <laughs> <laughs> and you're kicked out i mean that's a death sentence people yeah. need communities and yeah. it's either church or y- drugs really there should be 
a third option. No. Yeah. What? Nope. nope. So some statistics. Louisiana has sat at or near the bottom of nearly every measurable health metric, ranking well below the national average when it comes to behavioral health, low birth weight, high cholesterol, and early death. It had the highest murder rate in the country in 2019. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you excited? Do you want a little <laughs> congratulations, Paul? I'm sorry. This is, sounds like I'm shitting all over your home state. I'll shit all over Pennsylvania, too. We'll come back to it and shit all over it, I swear to God. It's fine. No, I'm glad we're highlighting some of the negative stuff because there's a lot of people that make policies that don't give a fuck about you. Well, it's just, because it is such a dangerous place for women is kind of why I'm bringing this all up. So it's the bottom five states for COVID vaccination and ninth in the most COVID deaths per one million in the country with at this time of this recording, 17,400 total deaths from COVID. In 2019, Louisiana ranked at number 48 in states in terms of total quality of education. <laughs> I remember at one of my classes in college, the guy put a picture of a cat on the wall and he's like, this is a cat. And then the next slide was a monkey, and I said, this is a monkey. And I got a B in that class. <laughs> what was the class <laughs> It was called? a science class. No. It was a science class. He said, this is a cat, and this is a monkey. Oh, my God. And then we were, like, talking about He's like, when, you're, when a woman's pregnant, she doesn't get her period anymore. And then people are like, somebody's like, my cousin still got her period. <laughs> and he's, like, screaming. And they're like, she prayed, she still got her period. It's like feral humans <laughs> in this class. This is a cat. <laughs> Great. Great, Amber. Yeah. Well, I'm I hope you're not still paying off college loans. No, I got a scholarship, baby. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. The top of the lowest quality education gets the scholarship. Woohoo. Hell yeah. So in 2017, 22% of adults didn't have a high school diploma in Louisiana, which is very high for the country's average. According to the specialists, there is little funding put into school, many of which are run down and teachers are paid jack squat. Yeah. One of my, and I don't want to reveal who she is for, you know, confidentiality reasons, um, but she was the principal of a school and she's older. The superintendent fired her because he said, we want a young man in here. Why? Because she's an older woman, I think in her like late 60s. And there's like, no, we Ew, want a man. gross. Ugh. Yeah. Yuck. But she's like, she was a really good principal. You know, she was really, really good. She cared about her students. Did she have a penis? Nope. Well. Get her out of there. Get her out of there. And that's just like, that's t that happened a few years ago. Like, totally legal to do. And who are you going to take it up with? These other assholes in court that are going to agree? Yeah. It sounds like maybe she was trying to enforce something that they didn't want her to enforce. Like, you know, science or something. Um, <laughs> so... Yes, they're paid very poorly. It's not a thing that's valued in the society of certain parts of Louisiana. Not just teachers are paid shittily either. While it varies year to year, around 20% of Louisiana's residents live under the poverty line. Not at the poverty line, below the poverty line. The national average is closer to 10%, which is still terrible, but it's not at 20%, which is... 20 out of 100 people there live below poverty level. Yeah. Last time I visited, we took a wrong turn and so I went to some small town to get some catfish. And they're like, you got to go get this catfish. And we took a wrong turn coming out of there. And it was like this town 
you could see people like opening up their blinds to this car that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, we have to go. It sounds like when I was in Pigeon. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. You know when you can just feel it? Mm -hmm. You know, that's just like evolution, baby. You know, that's how I survive. I was like, we have to get out of here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want your kind here. No. So... It reminds me of Nothing But Trouble for some reason. Yes. Like, were you about to go to Nothing But Trouble? Nothing uh, But Trouble Town. Courthouse? And even like when I lived in Louisiana, I remember driving up to Amit, Louisiana, which is a little bit further north and like driving through these like small woodsy towns. And that was another like, I have to go like out of here. What's it called? Amit? Amit. A-M-I-T-E. It's pretty small. It's like a little more north, but there's like some towns in between. And I was just like, man, this is like where I go missing. Like This is crazy out here. Yeah, I bet you that it's one of the top pastimes there. Yeah. Disappearing. And that was the school where that little girl that crawled on my lap. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, Well, speaking of the teaching in the schools and teaching the youth there, Louisiana passed a bill in 2008 that permitted public schools to teach creationism and deny climate change. That sounds about right. So, great. I remember in school, I didn't know anything about history. That's why I love history and I love science and I'm so curious about that now. I don't yeah. know if you listen to my other podcast, The Brightest Side, no big deal. Yeah. But we have all these episodes where I'm like, I'm curious about Ecuador or I'm curious mm-hmm. about like the past, well, these ancient civilizations, because we'd never discussed that. Mm-hmm. I remember my first class in college, the teacher came out and she said, the earth has been here for billions of years. And I remember saying to myself, what? Yeah. What? Like, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no, and that's in college. So you can imagine, I mean, that's why I had to take all these dumbed down science classes, because if we're starting here, like I'm starting way back on the finish line than these other kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess we should be thanking my education that you got so curious about life. No, yeah. I'm the same. I think by my own fault more than anything, I I made it through high school, but I, I did not care. I was very angry. So I am a very curious adult. And I think that's a good way to be. I think it's a good way to keep your life like fulfilled and good and happy is always be curious. Like yeah. always want to learn shit. There's so much to learn. School as hell. And also that if you're stuck in a place like this where school is sad and a joke, you will be able to leave and you'll be able to go other places and it will be okay. Yeah. Thank God we're not like separate states. How people are like, yeah, separate it. And I'm like, imagine like me in Louisiana. It was already difficult for me to leave. Right. It's another country now for you to go to New York. And now I got to get a passport and shit. Yeah. And now you have the internet. So you can go look stuff up. Like when I was in Louisiana, we didn't really have the internet. Mm -hmm. I remember going to the library and I asked for, um, I wanted to read Oedipus Rex. Yeah. Uh, Somebody told me about it. And I was like, I went and asked the librarian and she looked at me with like a scowl and she said, what is that? She said, we don't carry that here because she'd never heard of it. This is the librarian. (laughs) Great. (laughs) This is all great. So happy. But uh, yes. Okay. So this is not why we're here today or doing this series in general and not to just shit on Louisiana and all that stuff. No, what often goes along with those sort of statistics and that kind of teaching is general fear of and oppressive policies over women. And it's not just like, we want rights. Nah, nah, nah. When that happens, women go disappear into the darkness a lot. And also horrible, horrible, unbelievable shit happens to them. Yeah, we get abused. We get, we're told the, the whole reason the earth is to shit is because of us. 
the whole yeah, time. We Every were, single Sunday. We were too curious. Yeah. Every single Sunday was screamed at me how I need to be submissive, how I need to dim my light for others to shine. I, it's That's psychological abuse. And that was yes. just normal. And I'm still, as an adult woman, trying to unlearn that. I'm glad that you're mad about it. I'm mad you should be. Because I still have this like niceness with men to me, you know, and I'll, I'll like go on these dates and then he won't ask me a single question about myself and he'll just talk, talk, talk about him. And then I go off the date being like, that's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And you deserve to have a dude who's fun and cool. Fun, cool. Like ask me a question. What's my favorite color? You know, just he monologues. Yeah. And that happens a lot. Yeah. But because I think I accept it. Yeah. And I, maybe my vibration pulls those kind of people in. I don't think all men are like that. No, no, no. It's just my vibration. Yeah, they totally. sense it. They can smell it. Yeah, man. Before I did all my therapy and got a little bit better, you don't mean to, but you keep drawing people in who are bad and mean because yeah. you just, that's all you know, and they can smell it on you. They can smell it. And I was thinking about this the other day. I know we're getting a little off topic, but Sorry. like I was raised poor. You know, I was raised pretty poor. Mm -hmm. And what that does to you is you can't make a mistake. You know, you sleep in a little bit, you miss the bus, you miss the bus, your pay gets docked from work, right? right? Or like to this day as an adult, like if I forget milk from the grocery store, it's fine, Amber, it's fine. But in the back of my brain is just like, oh, now you have to go back to the grocery store. That's more time. And if you spend money on gas, now this milk isn't $2, it's $4 milk. How does that make you feel? Because you messed up. Yeah. And then I fight, like you can imagine the kind of men I attract. Yeah. Well, I want you to not worry about the extra gas money. <laughs> well, I, I don't have a car, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first step. I think it's it's fine. And like now I'm coping with this and I'm like, it's okay. You forgot the milk. Breathe. You're allowed to make yeah. mistakes. It sounds like anxiety reactions. To, I think so. To that sort of. But when you're poor and like these kids in Louisiana, you mm. can't make a mistake. And like, what does this do to you mentally? Well, especially it seems like as and I'm sure that it's difficult for male children as well. But I think as girls, there's a lot of stuff put on you. Yeah. That you need to be perfect in every way and, and this and that. And smile while you're doing it. Yeah. So the reason that we were talking about all this, and this is going to be the wrap up of this episode, and we're going to be going much further into this next episode, but there is a case currently unfolding before our eyes, and there may have updates happen before we release these episodes, but I want to talk about the parts that will remain true in this story regardless. I want to talk about it because it dances right around the other issues we talked about earlier in the episode that sexually active or sexually assaulted minors Terms which have historically been almost interchangeable in areas like Louisiana are treated like criminals a lot of the time, and it hasn't stopped happening. So that's where our next story enters. The headlines for this story will be enough to make your soul want to leave your body. A Louisiana woman was ordered to pay her accused rapist child support after sheriff dropped the ball. Dropped the ball? Woman claims she's been forced to give up her daughter to a man she accuses of raping her when she was 16 and pay him child support. Louisiana woman says her rapist was given custody of her child in ongoing court dispute. Certainly that can't be the real story, right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They're just like fantasizing. Right? <laughs> Right? Yeah, no, it's uh it's real. It's real, baby. And it gets worse. What did you tell me that maybe the the daughter is getting hurt now? Yeah. So, this is a story that we don't want to get too far into today because it's very long and we'll talk about it a lot more in like next week, but 
Yes, this is a story of a woman who back in 2005, not related to Katrina, but back in that same time period, was raped by an older man as a teenager. And she's currently in a legal battle to get her teenage daughter back from him, who he was given the custody of this child and it was taken away from her, the man who raped her as a teenager in Louisiana. And Hammond, Louisiana. Oh, I know Hammond. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, doesn't, <laughs> there was a preacher, and I probably said this on the show before, but there was a preacher who was caught having sex with a girl in the church, and um, the congregation was like, well, she's 16, and her parents are divorced, and yeah. we don't want to make yeah, waves. So, yeah. And I'm just like, so he was raping a child? So he was raping a child, and they're just like, well, she's six, she's an adult. They consider 16-year-olds to be an adult. She was more mature because her parents were divorced. You're like, what? It's just this, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? But like a boy's still just gonna be a boy at 16. He sure. didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. He didn't know. And like that's why you have all these pregnant girls that are forced to leave high school. You never see them again. Mm -hmm. And the boys are still walking around. Yeah. He's just a boy. Her life is fucked. Yep. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about next week in oh Hammond, Louisiana. And you said you had been there before, right, Amber? Yes, there's a college in Hammond, and that's actually the college, because I took, it's a um, it's a community college, and I took some credits there for my other college, because I couldn't pass the science at LSU, so I went to Hammond and took uh, like, a small place there, and that's the one where they're like, this is a cat. Nice. Oh, that's where the cat <laughs> science class was? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at the map right now. Hammond, where this happened, it happens to be near New Orleans and Baton Rouge, it's kind of making a little triangle here, very close to each other. But yeah, even though this first part of this next story it took place in 2005, this is not technically related to Katrina at all. So yeah, well, we are going to talk about that next week. I love it. I love all these names. Ponchatoula. I like Tickfaw. Tickfaw. I think that must be an indigenous word, maybe? I don't know. But I like it. There's a lot of people that can't spell their hometown, but can pronounce it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, Holden. Oh, yeah, there's a Holden town. Oh, does he like Taylor Swift there? <laughs> mm, sorry. You can follow us at someplace underneath at all the stuff and follow me at The Naughty Jean. Amber Smelson. And please stay saucy, pert, greasy, and, you know, vigilant. Be mad. Stay mad about the stuff that's happening. We're going to get through it. And fuck this guy who got custody of this kid. We'll talk about that next week. Pure evil. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.